The world now has an open monetary network. It's the first one of all time. And throughout the history of the world, open networks really defeat closed networks and usher in a lot of change and innovation and disruption. Hello there from Bedford in the United Kingdom, the Bitcoin capital of the world. How are you all doing? I'm just sat here looking at the Bitcoin chart. It is dumped under $50,000. I'm sure Peter Schiff is dancing there on Bitcoin's grave. But we got this right. We can handle this. It's what Bitcoin does. We're under no pressure, right? We know it's going to shoot back up. 100k is coming. We know it's coming. All you hardened hodlers, you've been through this before. You got this. Anyway, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I am using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And let's be honest, this is a monster episode. Today, I've got Jack Mallers on the show, Michael Peterson, and finally, Miles Suters. What a lineup. We're going to be discussing the launch of Strike in El Salvador. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. And firstly, I'm going to kick off with BlockFi. BlockFi is the future of Bitcoin and financial services, and they offer a number of products for Bitcoiners. So with a BlockFi interest account, you can earn yield on your Bitcoin. And I've been a customer for nearly two years now, letting my Bitcoin work for me. Also with BlockFi, you can take out a Bitcoin-backed loan and borrow against your Bitcoin without selling. And with the imminent launch of the BlockFi Visa Rewards credit card, you will soon be able to earn 1.5% rewards back on all cards purchases. Very cool. If you're interested in checking them out, please do head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. And next up, we have Ledger. Now, Ledger was the very first hardware wallet I ever used. I bought a Nano S back in early 17 when I was getting into Bitcoin. And people were telling me, you need to secure your Bitcoin. Now, I have that same device now, that exact same device now, nearly four years on. Now, the reason I like Ledger is twofold, really. The device itself is very easy to use, and obviously it's robust. It survived these years of me using it. But Ledger Live is a very easy way for safely managing your Bitcoin. And also, if you are an Android phone user, you can manage your Bitcoin on the go by connecting it to your Nano S. So if you want to find out more, please do head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G. ER.com. And also, we're going to talk about my new exchange partner, which is Gemini, who I am using now for buying and selling Bitcoin. But as I said, I'm only buying. I'm not selling any Bitcoin right now. Why would you be selling now? We know where this is going, right? Now, I have been playing around with the app, and I'm using it for two things. Firstly, I'm buying the dips, diving right in there. You know what? I'm going to buy some today. Let's do this. But I am also using the DCA, which is set up within the app to do a twice monthly buy of my Bitcoin. It could not be easier to set up. They've absolutely killed the UX. And I do also want to give a massive thanks to Cameron and Tyler for supporting the show. They've been very open to ideas. I'm talking to them regularly about supporting Bitcoin. And you're not there, an open book, which is very cool. I'm loving working with the Gemini team. But if you want to check out Gemini yourself, please do head over to Gemini.com, which is G-E-M-I-N-I.com. Okay, so onto the show today. And you know what? This is just a very, very cool episode. Some of you have been listening to the show for a long time. Might remember about 18 months ago, I went out to El Salvador to meet up with Michael Peterson, who runs Bitcoin Beach. I was at Le Bitconf in Uruguay, and he came up and spoke to me, talked to me about the project. So I booked a flight. I think it was the next day. I think, and I think I flew via Panama and went to El Salvador, visited Mike, checked out the project, 
checked out what he was doing. And Mike is using Bitcoin and the Lightning Network to help local El Salvadorians make and receive payments and help with remittances from the US. It's very, very cool. He created this little circular Bitcoin economy down there, and now Jack Mallers has gone down to El Salvador, and along with Mike, it's getting people on board with Strike and opening them up to a level of financial inclusivity that's never been possible before. Miles Suter from Square and Cash App was also in El Salvador working with Jack and Mike and everything they're doing down there. It's pretty incredible. So I asked the three of them to come on the show and go through what they've been doing and how Bitcoin and Lightning is being used there in El Salvador. It's great to catch up with these guys. I know you will love it. But if you've got any questions, you can reach out to me. I always say this. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. And before we leave, I just want to say, please do go and check out Breed Love's four-hour monster interview on the Lex Friedman Show. I've listened once. I'm about to listen to it again. An absolute goldmine of amazing information from Breed Love. All right, have a great weekend. I love you all, and I'll see you all next week. Mike, Miles, Jack, good to see you all. Um, rather than have you all shouting at once, I think I'll work it through. I'm going to start with Miles. I've been bugging you for God knows how long, saying, come on the pod, man. Come do a fucking show with me, and finally we get you here. So I'm uh, very proud and very glad, because I think you are one of the most amazing unsung heroes of Bitcoin, and no one, not enough people know all the good shit you do. So. Thank you for doing this, man. Thanks for having me, Peter. Uh, I've been a great friend over the years. And yeah, excited to do my first podcast with uh, a trusted friend like you. So let's do it. Good to see you, Jack. We've done a few of these now, mate. Yo. Yeah, you can't get rid of me, buddy. Sorry. This is like number five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good to see I, you, I though, man. To, man. Yeah, Pleasure. good to see you. They're Pleasure. going well. Mike. Good to see you, man. Last time I saw you was in El Salvador, myself. Yeah, I wish you were here uh, in, in the room with me instead of uh, across the world, but it's it's good to be able to connect. Yeah, well, listen, if we weren't in prison here in the UK, I would have flown out and done this in person and hung out with you guys and eaten some of that good local food. Uh, I, I love El Salvador. The two times I've been, it's been amazing. The people are amazing. The food's amazing. It's just a, it's a really great country. I guess, Jack, you've... Uh, You've got a good feel for El Salvador now you've been there a while. Oh, I love it. Uh, there's a lot to love. Obviously, the weather and the food, but uh, the people and the culture in particular, it's really motivating, uh, especially the macro environment and all that's going on in the world. Uh, it's been an experience I'll never forget, so I'm a big fan uh, and really thankful for Mike, man. It's why I'm here, and I think I can speak for Miles as well, just super supportive of everything that's going on down here. Yeah, I mean... Mike's a, another unsung hero. Uh, I can't even remember when it was. Was it like 18 months ago that I came down or was it two years ago? Was, I, I, I struggle with time now because we've been in this prison for so long. I think it was, uh, it was it was December, I think. So I think it was, you know, like 15 months ago or something like that. Yeah, it seems like a lifetime ago, but uh, it was back when we were all free. Yeah, and you were running your Bitcoin project. Uh, I came down to see it. Uh, you had your little community that were basically building this kind of circular Bitcoin economy, which was very cool to see. Um, It was just such an amazing experience. Do you want to update me on, since I've been there, what's been going on with that project up until the point you got in touch with Jack? Yeah, I mean, it it has really been amazing. It has grown so much. I think when you came, we only had a few businesses accepting Bitcoin. I think now there's about 40 businesses in the area that are accepting Bitcoin. Uh, For a lot of them, they do the majority of their sales in Bitcoin. 
Um, we've partnered with, with Galloway Money to develop a, a Lightning wallet that's specifically for the community, and people can now purchase directly from a map within the wallet. Uh, they can do push pay, and so it's actually a lot quicker for them to transact in Bitcoin over the Lightning network than it is even in cash. And so and now that, uh, I don't want to steal his thunder, but now that the strike is coming down here also and that we'll have the remittance aspect, I mean, it's really blowing up. Um, we've been in touch with people from all levels of the government. They're getting super excited about what they're seeing, about the potential for jobs uh, in the Bitcoin space to move into El Salvador and for it to potentially be a hub in the world. And we're trying to push on the president here to actually make El Salvador the first country that adopts Bitcoin as an official currency. Uh, we haven't succeeded yet, but uh, I, I think we have pretty good odds to, to make that happen. Um, we have probably 100 people in the community that are actually getting paid in Bitcoin. They're earning their salaries in Bitcoin. Uh, some of those are in the project working for us, but others are working for other companies, construction companies, local stores. And they've told their, their bosses, hey, I'd prefer to get paid in Bitcoin. It's so much easier. I don't have to deal with the banks. I can send mobile payments to the businesses here. And so it's, um, it's kind of turned into a pretty crazy big thing here. And it's kind of fun to just be in the, the middle of it. Well, it's, it's incredible. It's probably, I would say, one of the most interesting projects happening right now in Bitcoin. Um, this is a real project. Uh, just just remind us, though, Mike, I know we covered this before, and, and maybe the answers will have changed, but can you just talk me through the kind of pros and cons of creating this circular Bitcoin economy? Uh, what's works well, what the challenges are, and specifically, uh, well, any difficulties you've had with educating people on Bitcoin? I think the, the difficulties become less and less. Um, the, the kind of overarching difficulty is people are just creatures of habit. So they're used to dealing in dollars here. They're used to thinking in dollars. And so to get people to change the way they do things, even if it's easier, sometimes you have to push them a little. But once they start transacting in Bitcoin, specifically using the Lightning Network, then it's really easy. And the problems have been basically non-existent. The, the stores... Instead of us having to go to them and, and ask them to start accepting Bitcoin, they're coming to us wondering how they can start doing this. They feel like they're missing out on customers by not accepting Bitcoin. They see the ease of not having to deal with the banks. And so the more it grows and the network effects, just the, the easier it gets. And like I said, with Lightning Network, it's, it's just amazing. It makes everything just work pretty seamlessly. And are they holding Bitcoin, Mike, or are they instantly converting everything to dollars? Because the one thing I would, the only thing I would think would be a, a slight challenge potentially on on a local level would be the volatility. Um, that's the only, that's the only real challenge I could see that would be uh, for some of the locals. You know, if there is a ten or twenty percent price drop by Bitcoin, that can be, you know, a bit of a concern for people. How how have you dealt with that? Yeah, they've kind of learned to um, navigate the volatility. For a lot of them, they're saving in Bitcoin for the long term, so they're not as worried about the you know the weekly or monthly gyrations. But uh, also for a lot of them, they're just spending and interacting in Bitcoin on a daily basis, and so it's just a lot easier for them. Now they can pay their electric bill with Bitcoin. They can pay their car insurance with Bitcoin. We've we've developed some partnerships where there's pretty much nothing that they can't do with Bitcoin now, and so. For them, the, the volatility is, they view it mostly as a positive because, yeah, some days it goes down, but it goes up more than it goes down. So, It does at the moment. Uh, exciting times <laughs> right now. Okay, so how did the connection happen with Jack? Jack, how did you end up down in El Salvador? 
Um, I think this goes back to a podcast we did, Peter, in Boulder. We spoke about the project a long while back, and I didn't understand it. And I think Mike reached out on Twitter and said, hey, uh, I'd like to address some of the questions that you've had uh, on Peter's podcast. And we had a little bit of a dialogue, and I got to know the project more and more. And then with Strike in particular, um, it became painfully obvious to me um, that I needed to make the trip. Um, I think, you know, to make a super long story short, one of Strike's core nucleus thesis that we hold is that Bitcoin as a monetary network compared to like the Square network or the PayPal network or the Visa network, um, we think that it retains all the properties required to give a great financial experience. And it's also inherently global and it's extremely inclusive. One of the things that's great about this network is it works everywhere. Uh, And so you can give people in El Salvador that don't have a way to invest or generate yield on savings, for example, the best savings instrument of all time. You can give them connectivity and final clearance and cash finality and transacting without the need of trust, credit, counterparty risk, or any form of counterparty assessment with someone in America and do free and instant remittance. You can give them an experience like a P2P digital social payment application. These people don't have P2P like Venmo or Monzo or Cash App. They don't have savings accounts that they can invest in stocks or in high yield products like Bitcoin. Uh, They don't have access to remittance. The remittance story here that I've been told is it's about a half day's chore trip. It's about a six hour in total trip to Western Union to physically collect the cash. And sometimes it's upwards of 30%. Uh, And so, yeah, it's very interesting what we can do in the US and in Europe. Um, But one of the amazing things um, that's in line with the thesis of the company is the monetary network works just as well here. And we think there's probably about four and a half billion people that don't have the same level of financial access that everyone else does. And so there's no better place than to visit, right? These people are very educated. They're extremely passionate. They care. They work very hard. We're now actually employing a lot of them. Uh, And so it's a very special place. And these people are very motivated to drive change. And so for all of those reasons, uh, I've been here for like a month. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and uh, Mars, how, how come you ended up down there, mate? So, um, I mean, I'm always obsessed with how people are using Bitcoin around the world. So whether that's in Hong Kong during the protests or I was in the Philippines, right, uh, as COVID was crashing down last February, uh, I'm obsessed with seeing how people are using Bitcoin around the world and what use cases are growing and and ultimately, like, how can I help spur this growth even further my i truly believe that getting bitcoin into the hands of more people is how we start to fix a lot of these problems in the world and so wide distribution of bitcoin and usage is something near and dear to my heart so whether that's with cash up in the u.s or going and visiting really interesting experiments like what's going down down here um, when I heard about it i knew i had to be here to see see what was going on and ultimately see if in the long run, there's ways that I can help accelerate this or um, perhaps replicate it down the line. So it was uh, it was last fall. Um, I, I actually really wanted to get down to Buenos Aires because I think that uh, the people of Argentina really need Bitcoin. And I wanted to see how it's being used in the Cuevas and how it's integrating into this culture of money changing and black market dollar prices versus uh, the official 
government rate uh, dollar price. And it was clear that I wasn't going to be able to get into Buenos Aires. Um, when I talked to Bitcoin people down there, they'd say, well, you're crazy. Why do you, why do you want to come here? Everybody's trying to get out of Argentina. So, so I've been following since early in the summer what Mike was doing down here with Bitcoin Beach. And I, I just like slid into Mike's DMs and said, hey, I'm really interested in what you're doing down here. And, um, and I want to come down. Mike like, immediately invited me to come stay with his family. And, um, and I stayed with him for a few days before it's going to take a two-week vacation um, and kind of dive into what's going on down here and uh, try to get integrated into the local community. And Mike did that immediately. But as I, uh, as I spent time here and as my vacation turned into, into it, it was hard to step away from work fully, even when I was here. So I was like, oh, well... Um, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to extend a little longer. And I went home over the holidays and I've uh, done some back and forth, but um, it's been a really, really powerful experience to, to get to spend time here see, and watch the program grow just in the six months, six months since I, uh, since I first uh, saw the program live in terms of number of people using Bitcoin in terms of the amount of like external awareness of what's going on down here and also just like the impact that it's had on um on the people using it every day so i feel really blessed to be down here and uh, to me it's like one of the coolest things happening in the entire world so um yeah big shout out to to mike and uh all the local people here working working super hard daily uh to grow this thing and i and i do want to mention it's also growing organically on its own we're seeing businesses in san salvador constantly reaching out to Mike and businesses also like setting it up themselves, sharing QRs, Bitcoin QRs on Facebook and Instagram. Um, a new Bitcoin ATM uh, opened up at the beach down the 20 minutes down the road. So uh, it's really cool to see what like a really, a really committed core um, can then, can then kind of like spread organically down through the rest of the country. So I'm super bullish um, El Zante. I'm super bullish El Salvador. And uh, and as Mike said, I I think we got a shot of uh, getting Naive Bukele to uh, to buy some Bitcoin here. So we'll see how that goes. Incredible, incredible. Okay, Jack, we're obviously in a bull market at the moment, which means uh, every kind of week, month, I've always got new people joining the show. They won't be aware of the previous shows we made. They might not have heard the previous show we made. So I uh, specifically with regards to strike. So I don't want to make that assumption. Can can we just assume that there's going to be a bunch of people listening now? This is the first time they may have heard of you or may have heard of Strike. Can you just give a breakdown of what Strike is and what you're trying to do with your company? Yeah. Oh, boy. So um, Strike views Bitcoin in a really interesting way. Obviously, Bitcoin, the asset class and the monetary policy that is representative of one of the harder assets of all time and is designed to appreciate uh, against the dollar uh, in the dollar's current form or any inflated asset. Um, that's obviously very interesting, and I'm a Bitcoiner. I've been a hodler since 2013. What's interesting about Strike is we're very in- interested in Bitcoin, the network. So Bitcoin, the network, and the Lightning Network. And so the do away for a second with Bitcoin going up in price or the fact that there's only going to be 21 million of them or the fact that there's a, a halving every four years, we don't necessarily care about that at all. What we think is really interesting is what facilitates this money uh, to be able to be used. And it turns out that there's a network. 
uh, it's a network that achieves things like identity within the network, that achieves a standard to send a payment, a standard to receive a payment, a standard of trust between two peers, a standard of final clearance and what does finality look like. And when you think about that holistically and you think, well, how do other monetary networks operate? Visa does the same thing within their network. Visa defines identity. How do I know that this is my Visa card and that's Peter's Visa card? There's certain numbers on it, right? And you have a certain account. And how do I send and receive? How's credit? How's settlement done? We think that not only is Bitcoin better, cheaper, faster, and more global than any other monetary network, but most importantly, it's open. And when it's open, open networks, excluding money, just generally, always win. Open networks have defined economies of scale and network effects that are immensely powerful. And so if you think a competitor were to come into a network, well, in an open network, every new participant is additive. It actually strengthens the network. So competitors actually are good for your business, right? Quote, unquote. So we think that if Bitcoin is this open monetary network, and it's going to be here for a long time, and things like Lightning Network are going to be successful and be able to add to the properties and achieve things like final cash finality instantly and for free then there is going to be this dematerialization of this open network really swallowing up the existing closed monetary networks and we want to be a part of it and we think there's going to be many winners we think it's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of disruption but that's the core thesis is that the world now has an open monetary network it's the first one of all time and throughout the history of the world open networks really defeat closed networks and usher in a lot of change and innovation and disruption uh, and I spent a lot of time working on the Lightning Network, and even I have a few con- contributions to Bitcoin Core. And I, I have the level of confidence that this monetary network is not going anywhere. In fact, it's here for centuries. And it gave me the conviction to start a company on top of it. And, and the company's sole purpose is to li- deliver the best user experience on top of this open monetary network. In open networks, it's a race to the bottom. It's a commoditized business. So we don't care about pricing. We don't have any fancy revenue stream. Uh, in an open network, it's a race to the bottom. We want the best experience, the best team, and the best brand. And so we try and make your interaction with this open monetary network as good as it can possibly be. And that's it. That's the core product is that uh, you know we want to make your usage of this monetary network great. And uh, the very first iteration of that is being able to link your checking account and use it. Uh, what we found out, we being me, <laughs> and working in the Bitcoin community for a long time, is the reason that this monetary network, which is so powerful, it's global, it's open, it's accessible to 7.5 billion people. It has inherent network effects and economies of scale, instant global cash finality with no credit, no counterparty risk, no anything. So why isn't it being used today? Uh, I identified really four things. One, you have to use it with Bitcoin. And no one wants to use Bitcoin because if you just hold Bitcoin, you're just going to get richer and you should just hold it. So you're not incentivized to use the monetary network. The second is the regulations taxes behind it, is that I'm really burdened by spending it. And the IRS, I'm a target to the IRS. Uh, The third is volatility, is that it's not a great experience and that people don't traditionally enjoy volatility in everyday commerce. And then the fourth is you have to be fairly technical. And to deliver the premier experience, you kind of have to know a little bit of tech. Uh, And so the initial product of Strike is we had this grand thesis, and it was, what if we could take an experience like what Miles did at the Cash App, which is just link your checking account, pay your friends, scan QR codes, move money around. 
Um, what if we did that with the Bitcoin network? What if all I had to do was link my checking account and I could scan QR codes, I could do free and instant remittance, I can pay a merchant with no chargebacks, no interchange fee, Visa couldn't bully anybody. Uh, and we would do the hard work of turning your dollars into Bitcoin, doing all the high tech stuff, the accounting, the taxes, all of that, and deliver the best experience that people are akin to and familiar with uh, in the, the developed world with the Monzos and the Cash Apps and the Venmos and the Visas. Uh, what if we could do that on top of the Bitcoin network? And I hold the opinion that that would be an amazingly powerful experience. And so that was a little bit of a rant, but that is the introduction. No, but it's good. But let's let's explain what the product Strike is, right? So if you have the Strike app and I have the Strike app, talk me through the experience so people understand. Yeah. So uh, what's super relevant here is that we've connected a bunch of financial institutions all over the world over the Lightning Network. Uh, and so what we do for here in El Salvador, we work with a few institutions that are solely responsible for us interfacing with El Salvador citizens. Uh, and custodying assets and money for El Salvador users. Uh, and then we also have the same thing in the United States. We also have the same thing in the UK and in the EU and in Australia and in Canada. Uh, and so what we do is if I'm a US user, I've got my Chase checking account currently linked to my Strike account, and I want to make a payment at a Bitcoin Beach merchant, what actually happens under the hood is when I scan the QR code and click pay, and I don't have Bitcoin on Strike. There's no fancy Satoshis or channels or anything. It's just my Chase checking account. Uh, and I scan the QR code. I click pay for this Gatorade, which actually here costs a dollar, which is just a God's gift. What happens is Strike debits my checking account for $1. It Under the hood, without unbeknownst to the user, is going to convert it to Bitcoin on the fly. And then it's going to send the Bitcoin from our financial and regulatory compliant relationships in the United States across an ocean and across borders and be received in another country, across another border, across another ocean uh, instantly. And then we're going to convert it back to euros or pounds or Aussie dollars or stable coin. So that's what's happening in real time here in El Salvador for the remittance part is we're debiting and crediting different currencies against Bitcoin. Um, and we're able to achieve physical clearance. This is a physical digital commodity that can move at the speed of light anywhere in the world in real time. And it also has the sufficient liquidity profile in any currency you'd ever want. And so we're just swinging these Bitcoins all, all over the world, converting it back and forth between local currency. And that is like the famed remittance use case that we're using. And uh, it's getting a, a little bit of attention and traction here in El Salvador. I think we have couple hundred people now that are, are using it um, pretty actively at this point. I think we launched like a week ago. So I'm, I'm hoping to grow that pretty aggressively. So is it is it like a, an international Venmo, which has no, it's, it's essentially got no restrictions. It's got no ge geographical restrictions. It's an international Venmo, but uses the Bitcoin network as the payment rail. Yeah. So uh, some of the deeper insights that you have to gather here is that, um, First of all, Bitcoin itself is a physical asset. Um, and so there's no sense of credit. There's no sense of balance sheet float. You're not borrowing money from anybody. The actual physical value is traveling in real time. It's going to take a second for physical value to go from Chicago to El Zante, El Salvador. And it's going to, it's going to take a second and it's going to cost us nothing. That within itself is a, is a massive step forward for money as a technology. 
The other insight is that this commodity now is a trillion-dollar asset class, and it has the liquidity profile in any currency you'd ever want. So you're never stuck in Bitcoin. You could always trade it for Aussie dollars, US dollars, British pounds, euros. And so you can use it as an instrument to just move value around the world. Oh, by the way, there's no counterparty risk. Oh, by the way, there's no reversals. Oh, by the way, it's the only instrument that can achieve global cash finality instantly and at no cost. And so one of the questions we pose at Strike is like, why does it cost money to make a cross-border payment? Why does it cost money to interface with any other financial institution? Um, like a cryptography solves a lot of the problems that you know are, are justifiable for intermediaries and fees. Um, and now cryptography, math, and science has totally ruled those requirements out. And so that is like our first big use case is let's just launch everywhere and tie a bunch of different banks. Like a, a Mexican bank gave me a call. Like we have 1.5 million users and we want to make free and instant remittance inbound from the US dollar. Here's our lightning node. And so that's it. Done. We don't need to assess any credit. I don't need to sign an MSA. I don't need to get to know the founder. Now we just scan QR codes to this bank. The bank's going to receive the Bitcoin in real time in less than a second at no cost, convert it to Mexican pesos, and then dispatch it to the user's bank. I didn't do shit. That's not a competitor either, right? Like that's, again, new participants to an open system are additive. There's network effects built. So if Strike can just be a good experience, there's going to be you know hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands of financial institutions that join. So that's how it works. I'm not having you say you didn't do shit. Fuck off, mate. Come on. <laughs> you did a lot here. Uh, Mike, let, let's talk a little bit about specifically about El Salvador. Let's talk about uh, specifically what the country is, uh, the state of the country economically. It's a dollar-based country. What that means, uh, what the relationship is between the population of El Salvador. But when I was with you, you talked about a lot of people actually live in America and are sending money back. Just give me like a holistic view of what's going on there. Yeah, because of some of the um, the kind of tragic history in El Salvador, they went through a, a brutal civil war. Um, just in recent history, they've had a number of natural disasters. And uh, more recently, they've had a huge issue with the gangs, which Fortunately, that that is really uh, curtailing and we're seeing a lot of improvement in that. But they've kind of had a kind of one tragic and hard circumstance after another. And because of that, a lot of Salvadorans have made their way to the U.S. And almost every Salvadoran family here has some family members in the U.S. that they rely on to, to some extent financially. And so actually, I believe the latest figures is it's about 22 percent of El Salvador's GDP comes from remittances. Which I mean, that's just crazy. It is it is their number one earner or their number one area of their economy is money coming in from remittances, and so the problem with that is a lot of that gets siphoned off along the way. So I think the World Bank has has done studies that show it's usually between five and ten percent um, on average of remittances get siphoned off by the financial institutions. But it's not just the amount, it's also the inconvenience, the lost time, and the fact that people can't send small payments. In order to send a remittance, you really need to send at least a few hundred dollars to make it worthwhile. But now with Bitcoin, somebody can can call their son in the U.S. and say, hey, can you send us $3 in Bitcoin? Can you, can you send us, you know, 100,000 Satoshis so that we can go buy some milk? And where in the old system, the the son would never send that amount because he'd have to go get in his car, go down to Western Union, send the money. She'd have to take the bus for a couple hours, go pick it up, pay all these fees. 
now he can just say, sure, send it right to her. And then she doesn't even have to leave her house. She can then send over the Lightning Network a payment to the local store and have a little uh, local delivery boy come and drop milk off at her house. I mean, it is literally the difference between this whole thing taking 30 seconds and it taking, you know, over a day of, of two people's time to get money. And so we're seeing just a huge transformation in um, the efficiency of the way things happen here. And as a byproduct of that, we are seeing El Salvador start to lead the way in Bitcoin uptake. And I think um, Jack and, and Miles would both uh, concur with this, that, that they're just kind of shocked with how seamlessly the local kids, the you know, elderly lady who's living in a, in a tin shack with a dirt floor can whip out her smartphone and make a you know, lightning payment for a 25 cents worth of tortillas. Um, I would say the people here use Bitcoin more seamlessly than the majority of Bitcoiners that you see at a hardcore Bitcoin conference. I mean, they're using it on a daily basis. And so we see a real economic opportunity for companies to come in and start employing these hardcore Bitcoiners who understand how it works on a real level. And we're super excited. Strike's already made progress on that. And they're going to be hiring a number of people here in the community. And, and so instead of these people working a job where they're going to be you know, planting a, a cornfield or a fisherman. Now they're in an air-conditioned office. They're helping Strike with their different back office things. They're helping Strike operate more efficiently as they roll out into other parts of the world um, and giving them insights on how people who really need Bitcoin are going to use it. Not the way engineers think or not the people with, you know, millions of dollars think it's going to be used, but the people who make a couple hundred dollars a month and rely on it for their daily payments. And so I really think that countries like El Salvador are going to lead the way forward. And I wouldn't be surprised if 10 years from now we see the just the whole economic standing of El Salvador upended because of that. Yeah, Miles, so what, what has it been like to see? Obviously, you said your interest is you've been traveling the world. You want to see how people are using Bitcoin. And now you're actually seeing a real use case. What's it been like to see? Has there anything surprised you? Has there been anything that you didn't, you've seen that you didn't expect? What's that experience been like? It's been amazing, honestly, and it's the most sort of grassroots activity that I have seen. And so I've seen everything from my fairly upscale hotel that I stayed with except Bitcoin to the, the little lady on the side of the road selling pupusas. And, so, and there's everything in between there. I think maybe my favorite use case that I've seen develop as kind of like the, the, the wave has been growing throughout the community is... Uh, every morning at the point, there's, I mean, there's world-class surf here and a culture, a, a really strong culture that unites the community and local communities and is a big part of the way of life along the coast. Um, but every morning there's surfer, or there's photographers out there taking photos. Um, and then when you get back in the, in the water, they, they try to, they say, Hey, look, I got, you got two waves. Here's, here's six photos or two videos or whatever the numbers are. And previously, you'd find you'd send a WhatsApp, they'd come find you, and and you'd like meet up and, and hand over cash. But now it's now it's like you just give a pound when you come out of the water. And when by the time I'm back to where I stay, I have a WhatsApp message with five videos and uh, and a lightning QR code, and uh, I just fulfill that right there, and it's done is done. Um, so it's good to see local entrepreneurs finding new tools to make them more powerful and scalable. Um, I think my favorite example of 
watching the community grow and get more comfortable uh, in the times that I've been here is the, the local coffee shop, uh, a man named Enzo. He, it's been interesting to watch how he behaves as the, the money that he's brought in has appreciated. So obviously, kind of no, October, November is when things really started kicking off and the price um, appreciation has been growing substantially since then. And he probably, there, were, there was an, uh, Nicola, Nicola of Galois was here for a while as well. And so between him and I and, lo- and local people, uh, he was collecting probably, maybe getting like $15, $20 a day in Bitcoin for a week or two weeks or whatever. He's like, essentially, he like collected $400 worth of Bitcoin or something over some period. And uh, in February or so, when I was back, uh, all of a sudden he's looking at me, he's like, dude, I have like $1,500 or whatever that was. And so it's been interesting to under- see people try to manage, um, how, do, how do you manage your business when some of it's in cash, when some of it's in Bitcoin? He thinks of the Bitcoin almost as like purely uh, savings and access to international capital markets. Whereas if he's rerouting 10% of his orders or 20%, 30%, whatever the number is to Bitcoin throughout the day, he's still able to be have enough cash flow in dollars that he doesn't really have to worry about that. He can park it away. But um, it's really interesting to note that he always understands his cost basis. And he knows at what price, uh, if Bitcoin went down to 28K, all of a sudden he's now in the red. And so maybe if it, if it was going down, he would start selling. There's been times where he's like, you know what, Miles? Like, I think uh, I think it's time where can you give me five twenty dollar bills and I'll lightning you a uh, hundred dollars just to like take a little off the table. But it's been it's been really interesting to hear him like talk about trying to pay his suppliers in Bitcoin. It's been really interesting to watch him like begin going down that Bitcoin rabbit hole and watching podcasts. He's told me he's listened to some of your podcasts, Peter. So. Shout out, shout out to Mr. McCormick, uh, Mr. International. Uh, but, but it's something that I've always kind of said is that Bitcoin is this, this fractal rabbit hole. Once you get a little bit of it, you start, see, you want to get to the bottom of it. But the, the moral of the story is nobody can. And you'll always be finding related topics that you also are searching for like, cons- like internal consistency with, or um, you want it, it makes you think about not just bit money and Bitcoin differently, but um, a lot of other topics as well. So I found it super, super interesting chatting with him about philosophy, about the technical properties of Bitcoin and, and also just life. So uh, yeah, shout out to Enzo. But it also sounds like, it sounds like with that, there's almost a secondary uh, network effect being built because you know Bitcoin has been so successful, or it's able to uh, allow Jack to build his product because it has this network effect. Jack talks about the liquidity in all these different countries, but if you've got a guy who's now accepting Bitcoin and he maybe wants to pay his suppliers in Bitcoin, you actually have this secondary network effect where it's like a, a, a network, like a circular economy network. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's one one example that I like is like there's um, like a, a real estate uh, shop in El Tunco that has properties and they're listed in dollars. Um, but for fun, I, w- I wanted to ask the guy like, um, like, Hey, would you be willing to, to accept Bitcoin? And the, 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 the realtor said it initially said no, but then he flagged it up the chain to uh, kind of like the owner of the company who uh, was well aware of what was going on in El Zante. And he was pretty much like, you know what, like, I think we'll make that work. And then I later found out that the people that are building 
the construction company building these uh, condos or whatever are getting paid in Bitcoin as well. And so if you're, if you're, if the property is getting bought in Bitcoin, you're paying the workers that are building it in Bitcoin, like all of a sudden you're, you're operating on this parallel system that we've all been dreaming about uh, for some time. So this is like the most in actuality I've seen it. And it just like, it, it fills me with joy. Next up, I talked to Jack, Miles, and Mike more about Strike in El Salvador. But before that, I've got a message from my show sponsors. First up, it is Casa. Now, I've been a Casa customer myself, I think, for about a year. And I am up for renewal soon, and I'm going to be upgrading to their diamond package. The great thing about Casa is for someone like me, it really helps protect you for all eventualities where you may lose your Bitcoin, which you don't want to happen, right? Whether that's a personal mistake, an in-person attack, some kind of device failure, and so many other issues. Now, I know some of you are making good gains, and I know some of you out there will not have got your Bitcoin security shit together yet. So please do go and check out Casa. And they do have a product for every Bitcoiner. So with Casa Gold, you get triple the security of a hardware wallet, and that's only $10 a month. And with Casa Platinum, you get their 3 or 5 multi-sig, which is the best protection for large Bitcoin holders, and that also comes at a great price. And with Casa Diamond, you get their full service offering. That includes a customized personal security review, inheritance planning, and of course, their best-in-class in security. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. You can find out more at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Next up, we have sportsbet.io, the best place for online gaming because they accept Bitcoin. Amazing. Love these guys. I went out to Estonia before and visited them, and once all this COVID stuff's done, I'll be back out there with them, checking out what they're doing. They are the front of shirt sponsor for Southampton. They are the betting partner of Arsenal. They are putting the Bitcoin logo in front of the billions of Premier League football fans around the world. Massive work they're doing there. Now with Sportsbet, you have every market you could possibly be interested in. They have football, tennis, American sports, motorsports. They even have esports. Every sport you could possibly think of. And for new customers they have a range of promotions available. So if you want to find out more, head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O forward slash promotions. And today, we're going to finish off with Exodus Wallet. Now, I've been using this for a few months now. I've been telling you over and over the problems that I've been having. Firstly, my bank. My bank wrote to me and they told me they were closing my bank account which wasn't particularly helpful. So thank you for that. But also, I'm increasingly running my business using Bitcoin. I get paid in Bitcoin. I pay in Bitcoin. And my accountant's always nagging at me for not keeping good records about this for her accounting. So I needed a wallet solution. And when Exodus reached out to me, they said, Pete, we want to sponsor the show. I'm like, well, look, I'm only going to work with you if I'm going to use the product. They ran through a demo and I was like, this is exactly what I need. So now I am using Exodus because that provides me with the information I needed to get over to my accountant. They've crushed the UX. It is so easy to use. Now, if you want to find out more, please do head over to Exodus.com or search for Exodus in the Google or Apple app stores. What do you think is unique about uh, about what's happening there and why the adoption is happening uh, down in El Salvador? Is, is it just because you guys are there pushing it, Mike originally pushing it and creating this community and you've just come and added onto it? Or is there something unique uh, about El Salvador, that it doesn't have its own sovereign currency. So therefore, it doesn't have that kind of loyalty to a sovereign currency. It is, well, this is just another currency we can use alongside the dollar. I think it's it's partially that, but I think it's also just 
people experiencing Bitcoin that are on the the lower rungs of the economic ladder who are are unbanked, who don't have access. And the reality is that the Bitcoin has predominantly been uh, adopted by people with with resources at this point. And so I think this is the really the first experiment where it gets Bitcoin into the hands of of the people that it was designed for, the people that have been you know, left behind by the current financial network. And so I do think the fact that they don't have their own currency is helpful um, because you don't have the resistance from the government. You don't have those other concerns. But I think it's really just, it is Bitcoin. And Bitcoin, once people get into it, they rarely get out. And and we've seen it, it really... It really reshapes people's whole paradigm on spending and saving. Um, I know there's a lot of debate within the community of like, why would you ever spend Bitcoin? You know, that's stupid. But I, I would really push back on that. I've seen when people are spending in Bitcoin, they're much more conscientious about how they use their money. Because every time they make a purchase, they're like, okay, do I want to spend $10 on this stupid trinket? Or do I want to keep this in Bitcoin? Because I think it's going to be double, triple, 10 times, you know, five years from now. And so we've seen people who have never saved in their lives and they maybe are only making three or $400 a month. So it's very understandable that they've never been able to save. But now they're finding a way to save because they, they want to hold on to this appreciating asset and they really evaluate each time they make a purchase, whether or not it's worth it. And so I, I push back on people who say that the Bitcoin shouldn't be used for spending. I think... When you use Bitcoin for spending, it sets everything right. Nice. Jack, in terms of the product, let me just understand something because I, I haven't had a chance to really play with it yet. Am I able to hold dollars and Bitcoin in the same wallet and move between the two? Or is it just dollar? Uh, in about a month, you will be. In uh, about not, a month. That's mm-hmm. the one. That's a little secret though. I'm going to get pretty blasted on Twitter for that. But yeah, pretty soon. For now, it's just dollars. Oh. Or euros. Or, oh, the, uh, we're, in, the, we're in Canada... Uh, Europe, we. I think we support like four currencies right now. Privately testing everything outside of the dollar. Well, I think okay. Europe will be our next big currency. Okay, so in terms of your rollout of Strike in El Salvador specifically, what is it you've been doing with the product? Have you been making iterations based on usage there? What have you learned about the product there? I have some pretty uh, profound thoughts on the topics that were just discussed here. I think El Salvador is okay. the perfect place. Um, for this exact type of beta and learning and iterating and understanding how Bitcoin can be the most impactful. There's a future employee, I think he signs his contract today of ours, um, who's now just a dear friend of mine. I think he's one of the uh, better human beings I've met in my life. And uh, one of the first times we sat down and had lunch, she explained to me Bitcoin to him is hope. Um, Because uh, what we're accustomed to is that you go to university, you get a job, you, you work your way up to where you have capital that isn't needed for everyday life, and then you invest it and it compounds, and then you retire. Like, I don't have access to that. I don't have access to a way of investing and generating yield on savings. I don't have a way to save and grow wealth. Um, and I also am not necessarily included in the financial access that you guys have. You know, one of the stories I think is super interesting. Let's say Robinhood, I think, is a great – sorry if this is a tangent, but you know what's a really interesting story about Robinhood is when I was talking to the founders, when they, when they first pitched it, um, a lot of the extremely wealthy investors that they were looking into said, you guys are nuts. Nobody cares that you're saving 
a little bit of percentages on trading because I trade $500,000 at a time. So I don't really give a fuck if I'm paying $1,000 in fees or $2,000 in fees. It doesn't matter. What they didn't understand is there's actually a market of people that would trade $10 per trade or $100 per trade, right? But the fixed cost of brokerages eliminates that opportunity for them. Um, And I think that was the first thing that I found really fascinating in El Salvador is where people are like, why does it matter if I'm making a $500,000 remittance payment to Europe or to Central America? TransferWise isn't that bad. It's like 4% or 3%, but on $500,000, who cares? It's like, no, no, no. You, you understand that the, there's a market of people that make $100 remittance payments. They make $10 remittance payments, but there's a fixed cost of executing those remittance payments that is like $30. So that's where you get your 30% fees. They're not charging 30% fees on 500 grand. They're charging 30% fees on the people that make weekly $100 payments to El Salvador. And so anyways, long story short, we get into this conversation where he's like, Bitcoin for me is hope because now I've been able to grow my wealth. Um, I know kids that are looking at buying property now. I know kids that are looking at buying cattle now. I know kids that are looking at investing in people in this community that believe in a future that lives outside of the vicious life cycle of just being a surf instructor or just being a, a cafe beerist or, or whatever else. He, uh, and, and so I think that the people here, um, how inclusive it is, it gives them access to a, the best savings account in human history. Uh, it gives them a monetary network with no fixed costs, global inclusivity, and instant and free finality. Um, it gives them access to the open network that we all use. He said to me, I scan the same QR codes you do. And when Bitcoin goes up, I'm making the same amount of returns you are. When has that ever happened? And then the other thing is this country, of all the fucking stimulus checks all my high school friends are getting, those clowns that are like working sales jobs at Yelps, getting stimulus checks, buying whiskey shots. How many stimulus checks do you think land here in El Salvador? Fucking zero. That's bullshit. That's absolutely bullshit. Over 25% of the existing US dollars in circulation were minted in the last 12 months. You know how many of those dollars people here got? Not a lot, Peter. Not a lot. But, they get, but, but they're getting debased. They're getting abso- debased abso- Absolutely. So to, as a country, it's not fair to them. And as individual human beings, these people are passionate. They're extremely caring. Uh, these are some of the better people I've ever met. And when it comes to hiring them, they're some of the more overqualified people. They know Bitcoin like the back of their hand. They're extremely passionate. And they believe that Bitcoin can make a material difference in their everyday life. And I can't say that for a lot of the job applications I get from people in New York and San Francisco. And so anyways, I think it it is the perfect, like that Robin Hood, that $100 remittance market. Um, eliminating the fixed cost, giving them access to an open monetary network that holds the properties um, that can allow them to act financially just like the people in New York and London do, and giving them access to the best high-yield savings account of all time. Um, who needs Apple stock if you can own and, own and hold Bitcoin? And so I, I think it's the best place to run a lot of these experiments and engage with the people that will likely be the forward thinkers to change the world and have the incentive and the initiative to do so. And then on the back half, you'll get all the Silicon Valley entrepreneurs will pick up on my blog post and copy me and shit. But I think it, it has to start somewhere. I have full confidence that the, this is one of those places. So. And what, what is the rollout status in El Salvador? You're obviously testing. Are you at that point where you're saying anyone can now download Strike? Anyone can use Strike? Yep. Yeah. It's publicly available in the App Store. Have you launched? Yep. We, uh, we're rolling out a referral program tomorrow uh, so that 
uh, referrers get five bucks, referees get five bucks, employing some people down here, meeting with uh, ATM company later this afternoon, potentially talking to some government officials and some banks. And uh, yeah, I mean, I here, listen, I think my number one job here is to be a good listener. Um, like, for example, a lot of people use Strike uh, as an exchange because El Salvador's don't, they don't have an exchange. And, you know, as much as, you know, there is a circular economy and people can and do spend Bitcoin an asset that incurs that much volatility, you know, people do want to speculate on it or take profit or, you know, not hold at all of their money in it. And, uh, that was something I didn't expect. I didn't know that there wasn't an exchange here. I didn't know that everyone's downloading strike to take a little bit of profit or to do the opposite and take a lot of their dollars and, and market by Bitcoin when it's dipping. Um, so my job here is just being a listener and uh, trying to integrate with businesses and uh, government and banks and such. Um, but we are available and uh, people are using it for remittances and slowly but surely. That, um, that $5 sign up could spread like wildfire. Um, yeah. The population, I just checked the population, 6.4 million. So that could cost you 30. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure when they, because it's the five dollars each way both times. And if we, uh, sure if we onboard, lies, maybe that could. Is it 45 million? Yeah, if we onboard the, whole the entire country. I'd, I'd gladly pay for that. No problem. Yeah, amazing. That's amazing, uh, Jack. You're doing amazing work, dude. Uh, it's very cool. Okay, Miles. So as you said, you've been out. You've been, uh, you know, traveling the world, seeing this stuff. Um, I, I every now and again I do interviews where I leave and I'm a bit like oh shit I need to go for a walk and have a real, real think about the consequences of this because this is this isn't a, a minor deal. T- tell me how you like your head is spinning. What are you thinking with regards to this? Like, are we blissfully unaware of how big a deal this really is? I think that what is going on that going on down here is super super important, and I think that. It needs to be replicated in many other places around the world. When I think of Bitcoin companies going to launch a foreign country, what can have more more of an impact? Like 500K in Facebook ads or injecting this into the community along with a building of a community center and teaching English lessons and teaching Bitcoin courses and encouraging local workers to get paid um, to whether it's like the local lifeguards or or anywhere any, anywhere else in between. And so that's, to me, that's, obviously you need another mic in these other places, which is no guarantee. You need someone who's been in the country for a long time, who's passionate about Bitcoin and uh, has the tools and the connections and the friendships and the trust in the community to try to build this up. up. But um, knowing Mike, if there are other people out there um, who are are passionate about trying to get something like this going in their local community, I'm sure he would be all 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 ears. Um, I personally feel really inspired. I think it, I think the timing is really good here right now as well. And in 2019, that we did like um, what's it called? What's it called, Jack? The light, not the lightning challenge. Um, the lightning torch. Um, and lightning was very much like at its uh, mm-hmm. at its beginning stages. Then, even someone who spends like all day in this stuff to me it was like quite challenging. And um, for a lot of people around that time, it's like, what do you what do you mean? I need inbound capacity and all these different things. And I think in I think in the last six months, there's been a lot of progress for lightning related wallets and apps. Obviously, Strike 
is really killing it. Um, but I've seen, for example, uh, the non-custodial app Moon, I think is M-U-U-N, is really, really interesting to me recently, where you can fund it with an on-chain transaction before it's even confirmed. You can send and receive on the Lightning Network all in a non-custodial manner. So um, there's been a, there's a lot of innovation, and it, it feels like a lot of these apps just like work now. And if you're going to be kicking off um, a circular Bitcoin economy, these apps have to work. And you you can't be worried about funding chan- funding uh, channels and liquidity management. It's just, um, it, it, I mean, it's too complicated for 90% of the people sitting within Square. And so obviously going anywhere else in the world, it's going to be equally as challenging, I believe. One of the things I've learned, one of the things I, I've really tried to just be a good observer, ex- like help accelerate the program where I can. Um, but really trying to learn from how people are using this and what, what is valuable to their um, current situation. And so with a lot of things in Bitcoin, there's certain points along the spectrum of like usability and security, and all, you're constantly making these trade-offs. And so um, see, seeing where things are landing here um, seeing kind of what's necessary to bootstrap adoption and usage um, and finding those optimum trade-offs uh, is something that I personally find very, very, uh, very helpful and, and intriguing. At, at Cash App, over the last eight years, we've tried to do a lot of those same things, abstract away complexity to the point of a great user experience without sacrificing any of the ethos. Um, our mission is to redefine the world's relationship with money and so whether that's being the first public company to offer Bitcoin, we've always offered Bitcoin withdrawals and deposits because we believe controlling your own keys is a big part of the ethos. But as Jack was saying, there's this huge opportunity for uh, for like in, in be- letting, letting the people have access to investments. I believe Bitcoin is firmly for the people, but we also were the first people to offer like $1 trades of Tesla. And um, we have just a whole suite of financial products where we didn't really find uh, product market fit in San Francisco, LA, and New York. Um, and in, men- in many ways, we still haven't yet. Those are still kind of like the more coastal affluent tech people use Venmo. But we really focused on people that were underserved and often underbanked in, in less like prominent regions. We were really big in the Southeast and Texas. And slowly this kind of wave has taken over. Um, the different states, which because we we provide a service and a focus for people that uh, weren't being served, and uh, and in the end that served us really well. And so I find it really inspiring to see. To, and to, to me, Bitcoin that was always the dream for Bitcoin is to do the same thing. And so I take a lot of inspiration from what Jack's doing, and um, I, I can never move as quickly as Jack and Strike. Uh, we joke about this always over the years, but I'm always keeping an eye on him and I'm always uh, his biggest fan and supporter behind the scenes. And um, it's, it's been a really great experience using Stripe down here alongside other Bitcoin wallets. What, one of the biggest problems here is there's no regulated change and you can't get the good, even if you try to like connect to the Binance or something with your Salvadorian bank account uh, or debit card, it, it kind of just gets denied. Like they're not trying to work together. By bringing an app like Stripe that is powered by stablecoins behind the scenes or 
connected connects to the Bitcoin network via Lightning, but holds like a dollar balance via stable coins. If I have both these apps and I'm a local Salvadorian, all of a sudden I have like uh, an American bank account, essentially, where I previously I was always using Bitcoin and paying for things in Bitcoin. But if I want to take some off the table and I don't want to go to the ATM, I don't want to pay the fee at the ATM, I can, I can send $10 over the Lightning Network to my Strike app, but now that's held in dollars. Now I'm long the dollar. Uh, and if I send it back uh, to my Bitcoin app, then I'm long Bitcoin. So it's, uh, it's a really useful tool. Um, and that's kind of a light bulb moment for me on the power between the interoperability of these networks and the tools it can provide to people that uh, previously didn't have them. That's so cool, man. That's so cool to hear. Listen, Jack, the uh, the big block shitcoiners always want to point at the Lightning Network and and poke fun at it and and say it's still in, uh, still not deliver, blah blah blah. Do you want to shut that down forever now because of what you've achieved with uh, on the Lightning Network? Yeah, I mean, it's a waste of time. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a, I don't I don't entertain right, those fuck people off. now. Um, no, I'd, I'd, uh, no, but even even outside of them, but I mean, other people might be like, "Is it ready? Are we still being reckless? Like, where are we at? Like, I don't fully understand. Like, you know, where, you know, tell me what you've managed to achieve with Lightning. Ready for what? You know, those people can fuck off. Ready for what? It, it's it's been an argument used to justify a narrative that is total exists in another universe. Ready for what? How about the fact that there is an economy here and that I can launch an app here that's natively interoperable with everything else they've been able to use. They can pick it up from day one. I didn't know anyone here. I didn't establish a relationship. I didn't sign a document. I didn't start a bank. It's an open specification of instant cash finality on top of the world's first open monetary network. And it works. And uh, I'm building a massive business on top of it. Uh, And if people knew you know, our fundraising and our valuation, how many people are employed here. I mean, we're not a joke anymore. Um, And so, no, I don't entertain people trying to use a lot of the good-hearted work that this community has done in scaling this asset class and providing some of the additive properties to make it a really useful monetary network. People using that to justify um, really scammy investments. Um, No, I think people are going to be surprised. Uh, And, and, uh, you know, incentives run the world. Uh, and if there is an opportunity here, then people are going to make a lot of money and, and there's going to be more and more folks um, like Cash App and bigger companies that uh, come join. Um, and there's going to be a network effect. So I'm, I have all the confidence in the world. I think uh, we'll see how the next few years play out. But I don't know, man. I stopped. Uh, I, I'm, t- I'm too busy nowadays. I stopped paying attention to that shit, honestly. It's not worth anyone's time, especially yours, Pete. Well, listen, I've got to ask a question. Mars, is, uh, is Jack, uh, is, if we got like the Bill Gates of Bitcoin here? <laughs> uh, to me, for years, Jack has been the one leading the charge uh, on laying, like uh-huh. tirelessly behind the scenes, laying lightning infrastructure. Um, I mean, you, it's, not the, it's not the first product he's launched, but it's the first one that is, feels like the sum of all the parts of previous iterations and is now finding product market fit and is super, super exciting. And so I couldn't be more proud of Jack. Mm-hmm. Me too. I love, I, I joke with Miles all the time. I'm his, I'm his Trojan horse. I just like throw my head against the wall and just get a concussion after concussion and just try shit. And then eventually I'll figure something out and then Miles can take it to the finish line. That's how <laughs> I, I view myself. I'll, I'll just be bed, bedside with 10 concussions. But uh, together we'll figure it out as a community. 
Dude, you're crushing it, man. I, I, I was actually in touch. I reached out to uh, uh, Cookie last time after our last chat and had a little conversation with her and just said, like, this is fucking amazing. I'm really blown away by it all. So uh, I hope I'm not embarrassing you too much. Uh, Mike, one question I do have. Uh, it's an important question, and, and just, just tell me if I'm off the mark at all here. But one thing that came to my mind when I was down in El Salvador was thinking a little bit more about security, uh, how people manage their private keys. You know, it's a very different environment for example, if somebody's holding a decent amount of Bitcoin, uh, considering you know if they wanted to do a multi-sig setup, it's a more complicated scenario than maybe I have here. Like, how are you guys approaching that? Are you, how are you considering that? Yeah, we're we're helping people scale their security as they scale their their holdings. So for a lot of people, they are using it transactionally. So they they're holding it in the same way they would hold cash. Um, you know, a lot of them are holding it within a a custodial wallet, and we push people, you know, as as they become more comfortable to begin to understand how to hold their own keys, and especially for what they're holding for long-term savings to, to move in that direction. We've started bringing down cold cards and training people on how to use those. So as people start to accumulate, um, you know, a sizable stack, we help them kind of scale along the way. But it's, it's interesting because a lot of people ask, they, they're like, well, are you worried about the security? And, you know, Bitcoiners usually want to be all secretive about how, you know, that they use Bitcoin at all. But it's, it's not like that here at all because everybody uses Bitcoin. It's like saying, oh, I use Uber or, you know, I use Cash App or, you know, any of those things. It's not uh, necessarily associated with having uh, a huge amount of wealth. It's more associated with, hey, I can just transact on a daily basis. And one of, one of the things that's been really fun that we've done in the last uh, month here, and I'll, and I'll let Miles talk a little bit more about it, but we've actually come alongside the El Salvador International Surf Team. Uh, they have the, the, El Salvador landed the Olympic qualifier, the final Olympic qualifier for the Olympics in surfing is going to be in El Salvador in a month from now. And so it's been a huge thing for the country here, a huge point of pride. And there's 11 individuals that are training hardcore for that to hopefully make it to the Olympics. And we just actually put a deal together with a surf federation a couple of weeks ago to sponsor these individuals so that they no longer have to work for the next few months. They can, they can focus full time on training and they're being paid in Bitcoin. It's not a huge amount, but they're getting a Bitcoin stipend every month that's enough to cover their uh, expenses and it's the first time any of them have have had that type of support and I believe it's the first surf team anywhere that's been sponsored in Bitcoin and so it's been wow. super exciting and and just super amazing thing for the community and then unfortunately after we we signed this there was kind of a, a tragedy that happened and and we're trying to rally the the Bitcoin community around that but I'll, I'll let Miles talk a little bit about more about that because I know this is something that hit him really hard and and he's really passionate about. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I know I know what Miles is about to talk about because it came up on the news here. It uh, hit the major news here. Catherine Diaz, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. So the same day that uh, the Salvadorian surf team was able to sign their contracts for the f- their first contracts ever paid in Bitcoin. As far as I know, they're the first national sports team uh, ever anywhere in the world to be sponsored in Bitcoin. Later that day. Um, at a sunset surf session, this kind of freak storm uh, came came down from the mountains, and Kathy was struck by lightning and killed. Uh, she was a 22 year old Olympic hopeful 
one of the best uh, one of the best females in the country, kind of like the face of El Tunco. When other Central American surfers were debating, hey, am I going to Costa Rica or am I going to El Salvador? They'd come to El Salvador because of Kathy and the energy and passion she brought to the community. And so, I mean, I'll never forget that that evening, just like the the morning uh, throughout the coast and throughout the larger surf community as a whole, as you mentioned, Peter, it kind of rippled um, through throughout much of the Western press just because it, it was, um, it's such a tragic story. What I don't think the press really realized was that there was this additional Bitcoin component. This was a, uh, supposed to be a really, really happy day for the, in, uh, the entire community. And so I felt personally charged to try to try to do something to help. And so it feels like with all the great work Mike is doing and all the and the and also with Jack launching El Salvador and so many good things happening, it feels like El Salvador is becoming this country, this small Central American country that this global Bitcoin community is rooting for and is some and it's an unlikely like face of Bitcoin. And I want to do the same thing with the Salvadorian surf team. There's no capital city um, of Bitcoin. There's no sports team that we all we all root for. But I I I want to set us a goal, and I'm going to kick off this fundraiser uh, of raising ten Bitcoin um, to essentially endow the Salvadorian surf team uh, with enough Bitcoin to build a permanent training center uh, in Kathy's honor. I mean, you wouldn't believe the. The, the state of like where where they train and um, compared to like what they should be using uh, because these are world class surfers but they don't have the funding and they don't have the attention um, to to kind of go to the next level I mean there's uh, even to go to like to Nicaragua or Guatemala for uh, a surf competition they're getting on like the local buses that are packed to the gills and driving 36 hours with two surfboards between their legs with the fins off. Um, a small kind of collective effort from a lot of us in the space um, could ha- have like such a big impact on their ability to get publicity, to do trainings in other areas, and to and to really honor Catherine's uh, legacy. So I'll be putting more details out on Twitter into the days to come. Cash App's going to contribute. Um, Strike's going to contribute, and uh, I'm going to re- hopefully rely on all your listeners to. Uh, to have us go uh, knock on some doors of uh, other Bitcoin companies or people in the space who have been benefited so, so much from this recent price appreciation um, that hopefully we can all give a little bit back and, and turn the Salvadorian surf team into like this global, this, this global group of amazing people who haven't had the opportunity, who haven't been able to realize their dreams because of lack of opportunity and resources. Um, I feel like now is our moment to honor Catherine and to help them get to the next level as they're about to host um, the final world qualifier before the Olympics. And it's the first Olympics that surfing has ever been a sport. Like I, I just, um, I mean, there's an amazing vice piece about Brian Perez, who is uh, kind of like the, he's the number one surfer. He's 22 or 23. Um, but there's a great vice piece on how surfing literally saved him from joining MS 13. And I think Alongside Bitcoin surfing, surfing and Bitcoin together have been, are both really powerful uniters of this community and keeping people on the right track and inspiring hope in a country that 
often didn't have hope. Um, and so the reason I brought up Brian is I just yeah. can't imagine how cool it would be if he's out there winning the final qualifier at Sunzal or Punta Roca um, in front of his home crowd in Kathy's honor uh, and, and like getting a bid to the Olympics. So um, that's, that's something that I'm working on. It's something right. I'm passionate about. And I hope, uh, I hope your community and the Bitcoin community um, can help us make it happen. Yeah, well, definitely. Look, I'll contribute. I'll give you the ad revenue from this show when it goes out. You can just take all the ad revenue. Thank I'll you, give you Peter. That. And also, I'll promote it as far and wide as I can. You just reach out to me. You let me know. We'll uh, we'll get that money raised. Uh, Jack, before we close out, anything you want to add? Anything you want to you know you want to throw in before I close out, man? No, I appreciate um, the opportunity to talk about strikes effort here. But I I came on this podcast with the intention of just being supportive of the country, the specific town of El Zante and Mike's efforts. Um, that's the reason I'm here. So I just want to thank Mike for getting this started, humbled to uh, be here and be learning and launch products that are hopefully helpful. And uh, I think it's a really good thing for Bitcoin. Uh, I really do. Uh, and so thanks, Mike, and uh, all the people here. I hope they listen to this. They deserve an immense shout out. Some of the work they're doing for Bitcoin. Um, is never going to be seen on Twitter, but it's amazing. So that's all I have to say. And uh, I think El Salvador is going to turn into a, a, a country that is going to lead and be a hero. Amazing. Well, listen, dude, you know I love everything you do. Uh, I think you're an amazing human. Uh, the, the shows are permanently open and for you. You ever want to come on and promote that stuff on here, you just let me know. you got a permanent invite. Uh, I love you and your family, so thank you. Uh, Mike, mate, I, I, I think I would have seen you again I, I, if it wasn't for this lockdown. Um, I did. You know how much I enjoyed both my visits to El Salvador. Is there anything you want to add in? Uh, you know, people are listening. Anyone you want to reach out to? Any messages of support you want to ask for? Just, you know, just uh, the floor is yours, dude. It's so fun to be here with with the three of you because Peter, you you were the first one from the Bitcoin community that, that came to El Salvador. Just uh, when we met in uh, Uruguay, and I said, "Hey, come see this," and you're like, "Okay, I can be there in three days." And so, um, so so awesome. And you you really helped you know set off a lot of this, set off the interest in the project, and and so I'm eternally thankful to you. And then. Just these last uh, six months, just having uh, Miles down here, it's been so awesome. My he showed up. My wife's like, Wait, "Who's this guy?" And I'm like, "Oh, I met him on Twitter." She's like, "Seriously? Now he's staying in our house with us?" Like, I'm like, no, that's how the Bitcoin community is, man. It's like we're we're family, and so, and then it's a good guest house, man. Oh yes, yes. Peter Peter slept there, uh, so it's uh, ho- hopefully there'll be many more uh, Bitcoiners that stay there over the years, and uh, and then just having Jack come down and and launch the whole initiative here of, of being able to employ people in El Salvador in the Bitcoin space. I mean, really for me, this is just a huge dream come true. Uh, just seeing the, the impact and the, these people, the young people here being able to dream and think of the future. And so for other people in the Bitcoin space, we would love to have your companies come down here and, and hire people in El Zante and El Salvador to help make this the, the center of the Bitcoin world. We have passionate Bitcoiners here. So I, I will treat you. You come down here. I will buy you lunch in Bitcoin and, and get, you, uh, get you started. And probably like Miles and Jack, you won't want to leave once you're here. So everyone is welcome. Amazing. Well, listen, look, love you all. Hopefully I'll see you all soon, whether it's in El Salvador, Miami, wherever, man. 
I miss uh, miss seeing you all in uh, person. As I said, you've all got a permanent invite. Whenever you want to use the show, just let me know. Promote anything you want on it. Mars, it's great to actually uh, get you on finally. I've been uh, bugging you for ages. So, uh, uh, look, love you all. Wish you all the best. And, uh, yeah, just stay in touch. You're the best, Pete. Thanks, buddy. All righty. What do you think of that one? That's pretty cool, right? I love what Mike is doing down in El Salvador. And with Mars and Jack with him, that's a hell of a team, right? It's also great to finally get Miles on the show. I've been bugging him for ages. I'm like, come on, Miles, get on the show. He's doing some amazing things down there. I also love what Jack is doing with Strike, solving real problems and ensuring people keep more of their money. If you want to know more about Strike or Bitcoin Beach, then go and listen to my previous episodes with Jack and Mike. I spoke to Mike about Bitcoin Beach in episode 179, and me and Jack gone into Strike more recently. That was episode 296, an absolute banger. Anyway, let me know what you think of this one. You can jump into my Telegram channel. That is really growing at the moment. Or you can hit me up on my email, which is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. If you want to support the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. They really help with the rankings. Everyone who's done that before, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. All right, the weekend is here. It's Friday. The pubs are open in the UK. We can get haircuts. It's incredible, this level of freedom we're being given right now by our government. So I'm going to go enjoy that small amount of freedom and I'm going to go and have a beer tonight with my buddies. All right, I love you all. Have a cracking weekend and I'll see you all next week. 